Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Crim Academy, where we are criminally academic. My name's Jose, and I'm here today with my co-host. I'm Jen. <laughs> Hi, Jen. Hi, Jose. <laughs> today, we're speaking with our fellow doctoral student, Hannah Leiden, who is wrapping up, or yeah, wrapping up her first year as a doctoral student at the University of Colorado Boulder. Hi, Hannah. Hi. Thanks for having me. Hey, Hannah. <laughs> So Hannah Lydon grew up in Winter Park, Florida. She earned her bachelor's at Furman University in psychology and her master's degree at the George Washington University in forensic psychology. As an undergraduate intern, her research focused on campus sexual assault, sexism, and rape myth acceptance. She spent two years working in the D.C. area as a research assistant for a private firm where she worked on NIJ's crimesolutions.gov and OJJDP's model programs guide, among other things. Her general research interests include juvenile justice and campus sexual assault. Thanks again for joining us. Yes, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, so today we're going to be asking Hannah about her experiences as a first-year doctoral student. We're going to talk to her about some general graduate school questions and then maybe get into some self-reflection about her first year. So I say we get right to it. All right. So kind of a warm-up question to the main question we have. How many doctoral programs did you apply to, including CU? I applied to 10, two sociology programs, and eight criminology programs. Wow. I didn't realize you applied to so many. Yeah, it was probably too many, but... Yeah, I don't think I I knew that either. Well, I mean, I guess it's not that many. Like, if you go on, like, some forums, people will have applied to so many programs. But, yeah, 10 is quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I wasn't going to get in, so I was like, got to up my chances. (laughs) Well, that's the advice I got when I was coming out, right? It was like, just go the whole spray and pray approach, but I only did seven. I applied to five, a little less, but like across the spectrum, right? So I had like my top choice and then right. like a safe haven choice and then ones in between. All right. So 10 programs, quite a few. And so what were the deciding factors for you in choosing a doctoral program? Or in other words, why did you come to see you instead of somewhere else? So I based a lot of my decisions on where to apply on location, which is maybe probably not what you're supposed to base that on, but I didn't want to live anywhere that I didn't want to live for the next like five or six years. So coming to CU, I wasn't even actually going to apply to CU until a coworker suggested it to me. She had worked here formerly. But then I came to the open house, and then I really liked David Pyrus a lot. I liked the people, the other people that I met. I liked the campus and the location. And then it really came down to choosing between George Mason in Virginia and CU. And at that point, I was kind of deciding if I wanted to leave the D.C. area or not, which, again, basing it on location. But I decided that... I wanted to come to see you, and I liked the people here better than either of the other open houses that I went to. And so in terms of faculty and students who are currently there, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, so yeah, I liked all the faculty and students that I met, and I also liked the people that were like also visiting the open house better than 
some of the other open houses. <laughs> yeah, that's important, considering yeah. you're taking classes with them. Yeah. Pretty much every class so far you've had, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah that's pretty important. I lucked out with mine because I basically came in blind. And I didn't meet any of my cohort. Mm-hmm. You yeah. And Hannah, I don't think choosing based upon location is a bad idea. I think that's important, especially as we yeah. get toward another question later on with work-life balance. Yeah. Although I have heard people say that they prefer going to a place that they know they're not going to like because then it motivates them to get out quicker. But I don't know that I could do that. I don't think I could. <laughs> All right. So what so far do you like about grad school? Thinking, because you have a master's, so thinking specifically about the doctoral program. I like interacting with like super smart people all the time. I like talking to all the professors here because I feel like a lot of them are like really big in their field, which is really cool to interact with. I don't mind some aspects of teaching. I don't mind the (laughs) one-on-one interactions with students. I mean, I generally like learning, so that's pretty broad, but I don't mind reading, so get to do a lot of reading. I also like going to happy hour all the time. So (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's something unique to your first year experience, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, happy hour. I didn't do that really in my first year. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't. I didn't either. I mean, we did it a couple of times and with my cohort, but I feel like this year we did it a lot more. A lot. Yes, a lot. So you mentioned teaching. So I think you've taught both semesters so far, right? Yes. And what classes have you taught? In the fall, Crime and Society with David Pyrus, and then this semester, Deviance in U.S. Society with Glenda Walden. And you said you like some aspects of it. Yeah, some aspects. I like the one-on-one interaction, but don't love the public speaking aspect, so... I don't know. It's, and that kind of, I mean, that kind of ties in with your career goals, right? You yeah. can talk about that a little. Yeah, I don't want to be a professor or teach long term. So that's fine with me. <laughs> yeah. Good experience for public speaking, though. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, just always remember, you know, more than them. So as long as you deliver it with some conviction, they're not going to challenge you on it. That's most true. of the time. Most of the time. It's like maybe yeah. sometimes. <laughs> yeah. You always get that one student that's like, according to my research. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So kind of flipping that then, what do you dislike about the doctoral program so far? So also reading. There's sometimes a lot of reading. And sometimes it's not that fun of reading. When you say there's a lot of reading, like how much are you talking? So this semester, my reading load has been less heavy because I'm in a statistics class and then like a class that's more reading heavy. But last semester, I was in three pretty heavy reading classes and I was reading like over 300 pages a week probably. So it was a lot of reading. Just quite a bit. And then what else do I dislike? It was also a little bit of a shock entering into a sociology program with no sociology background, but I have adjusted 
but it was a little bit of a shock coming into and taking like a classical theory course, not having any idea what was going on. Also coming from psychology was a little bit of a shock that pretty much everyone uses data sets. A lot of people don't collect their own data and also the sample sizes that are used in sociology compared to psychology are very different. So not that I dislike it, but it was just kind of a shock adjusting to that. So on that, on that same note, which I think is interesting because right now Jose and I are just wrapping up a developmental slash life course class in psychology. So we're kind of hearing about what you were just referring to, but what made you decide to go to a sociology program rather than a criminology program? Because you said you applied to majority crim, but also compared to psychology programs since your background is psychology. Yeah. So I was really interested in like crime and pretty much the only type of program you can study crime in psychology is a clinical program. And I was just really not interested in being any sort of clinical psychologist, like having to do, I don't know what they call it, like an internship where you have to like see clients. I wanted no part of that. So that was why I picked sociology and criminology programs. Well, the good thing too is as a criminologist, you can sort of start meshing your different backgrounds. Yeah, for sure. And I've, I feel like, done that a little bit taking data I've data I collected in undergrad in a psych program using it for a class here yeah which is cool yeah how's that going it's going my sample size is pretty small so I wasn't really seeing the effects that I wanted to see but we'll see small by psychology standards or small by sociology standards Small by sociology standards, it ended up being 105, I think, which isn't that small for psychology, but yeah. You mean you're not seeing the effects you expected to see, not yeah. what you want to see. Yeah, not what you want to see, sorry. Expect to see. <laughs> yeah, we do some research here, Hannah. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> All right. I kind of want to go back to what you're talking about with reading and how, so... A, you said that you took three classes last semester and two this semester. So what made you decide to not take three classes this semester? So three classes was a lot. And I was just like kind of struggling with it and struggling with the adjustment. I also wasn't really sure if I wanted to stay here in general. So I thought I would kind of downsized to two classes. Has it made it easier for you? Definitely. I feel like I like thrive in two classes. <laughs> That's awesome to hear. So then on that same note, how do you deal with the reading load? Because I think that's something a lot of people coming into grad school, including myself, kind of were shocked by just the amount of reading you have to do. And so what would you say worked well for you or didn't work well? Or have you figured it out yet how to deal with all of the reading? I don't think I've really figured out like a strategy, but I don't know. I just try and start like more ahead of time than I think I need to. And then I feel like I'm still kind of 
trying to figure out how to like read strategically and like read it quickly, but where I pull out the important parts because I still feel like when I tend to read something quickly, I like don't pull out the important stuff. So I feel like I'm still trying to work on that, but I feel like it's just time management, like until you figure that out. Yeah. And practice, which you were kind of alluding to. Yeah. All right. So then last question and like these general grad school questions we have for you is how do you tackle work-life balance? Yeah. So I don't really have a problem stopping working. Like I can just stop. I don't need to keep going. You're lucky. Yeah. (laughs) I'm slightly lazy. So (laughs) I found out that I do like my best work in the mornings. So I try and like get up early and like get to campus when we were still going to campus early. And then by the time like 4 or 5 p.m. rolls around, I'm like pretty much done. Like I can't, I can't like write in the evening. I can do reading sometimes, but like I'm pretty much done like for the day. So I don't know. I feel like it's important for me to like prioritize working in the morning and then like living at night because if I don't have time to like relax or just like watch TV or just, I don't know, talk to friends or family, I'm like not doing my best work at night. So I feel like that's important. I also don't work on Saturdays. So I try and do other things, get outside, stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah. So what do you do for fun? You mentioned getting outside, but what exactly do you do? I like to hike. I tried skiing. Don't like it. I love to try snowboarding. That's even scarier. I don't know. (laughs) You gotta use the the gen approach to snowboarding. (laughs) What? You just run over everyone else. That's what Erica does. I just (laughs) roll down the mountain. It's okay if I fall and I just continue to fall. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe I'll try. But yeah, so I like to hike and like exercise. I used to like to read for fun. I don't do that so much anymore. But yeah, I talk to friends a lot. I like to go to bars. I don't know. (laughs) So uh, right now we're in the middle of this COVID-19 pandemic. And so how right now, because you live by yourself, So how do you deal with work-life balance right now? Kind of the same thing. I don't work on Saturdays and I do try and do stuff in the morning still and then not do stuff so much at night. I figured out I have to sit at like a table. I can't do things on the couch. (laughs) Me either. Yeah. It's been like tough because I I was never really good at working from home. I would always get distracted like way more easily, but I've like adapted to it more, but it still kind of sucks having to work from home all the time. <laughs> yeah, I get that. All right, so let's oh, pass you it over the to puzzles. Oh, yeah, I do some puzzles. I haven't done one in like two weeks. I'm waiting until I turn in my final papers, and then I'm going to start a new puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're into finals week right now. Yeah. How many puzzles do you have? I don't know, like seven. How many have you done? I've done all of them, but... Oh, so you're just going to go through them a second time? Yeah. I ordered some on the internet, but I think they're coming from 
like China. Uh, yeah. So you'll get them for like the next wave of the pandemic. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> All righty. So Jose, you want to take it away with reflection over your first year? Yeah. So now we're going to ask you the deep philosophical questions. <laughs> so what would you say was the toughest part of your first year as a doctoral student? Adjusting to life in a different city was probably the toughest part, even though that's not like doctoral program specific. And then not having like a solid group of friends here yet was pretty hard. So I was like considering transferring pretty seriously. So that was the hardest part. And also, like I said before, adjusting to like a discipline that I wasn't familiar with. Yeah, like I said, really struggling with classical sociological theory, not really having any clue what was going on in that class and feeling like everyone else knew what was going on. We didn't. Yeah, I started to learn that maybe there's like one or two people that actually do know what they're saying and everyone else has no idea. There's better actors than I am then. (laughs) Yeah. And then I also didn't come from like a family in academia or like know that much about academia like I thought I did so I was pretty unfamiliar with like the whole process of like a doctoral program I don't know I thought it would be like my master's program which I kind of like breezed through but it was not and then also teaching which I had no experience with and I hated public speaking and they just kind of like throw you in so that was also a tough adjustment (laughs) Yeah, like, well, they do put you through, like, that teaching intensive, I think, the week before. But I felt it didn't do a great job because sitting and have someone talk to you is so much different than actually talking to people. So they give you all these strategies. But I don't know, I I feel like I got a better feel for it once I was in the middle of actually teaching. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And then... And then, like, my first semester, David was putting, like, yeah, you guys do whatever you want. Like, I don't, I don't care. You guys do whatever. And I'm like, I have no clue what I'm doing. Like, <laughs> I need more. <laughs> but this semester, I've, like, gotten a little more used to it and had a little more structure around it, which was helpful. <laughs> with all things, practice makes it easier. I remember my first my, – so I didn't teach my first semester, but I taught the second one. And I remember being so nervous because I had no idea what I was doing for like the first half of the semester. I was like a nervous wreck every single time I went in front of the students. And then I just had to continuously tell myself, like Jose said earlier, you know, you know more than they do. And setting guidelines early on was helpful too with the students. I always have very strict emailing guidelines about when I do and do not respond to emails (laughs) yeah same I also felt that I I leaned a lot on my masters it was sort of kind of really shoving that I'm a step above you type deal or I have a little more authority and I, I know some of the people in my cohort that didn't have a masters were always saying stuff like 
you know, it's weird because I'm only a couple of years older than them and I barely have a bachelor's and especially if you're teaching seniors. I'm like, no, nah, I got a master's. <laughs> <laughs> that's helpful for people who don't have a master's. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's the moral of the story. Go get a master's. <laughs> <laughs> Just remember, you know more. You're slightly older, more experienced. Yeah. Well, another little tip that I got since we're throwing out little tips here and there was don't actually mention what year of the doctoral program you're in and just kind of keep it ambiguous because then like if you say I'm a first year, then you're basically outing yourself as a rookie where if you just say I'm a doctoral student, well, there's like some authority in like that nebulous concept. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I was also like a huge nervous wreck like you said, Jen, for the first, like, ever. Yeah. It makes you, like, sweat just standing there. Yes, it does. It gets easier, though. At least it did for me, and it seems like it did for you, too, Hannah. Yeah, it did get easier. On my first day, like, in the fall, my alarm, like, was ringing on silent. This is an issue that I had for, like, a week. I had to, like, reset my phone to factory settings to fix it. But my first class was at 8 a.m., and I woke, woke up, and it was, like, 7.20. And I was, like, oh, my God. And then I tried to run out and get the bus, and then the bus was, like, pulling away as I ran out. And I was, like, oh, my God. And so I had to go get my bike, and then I biked to campus. And I got there, and I was really sweaty because it was August. And then I had to stand in the bathroom for, like, a couple minutes before, and I was, like, pull it together, pull it together. But I think they could still tell that I was, like, really sweaty and nervous. But it didn't get much better from there. But <laughs> for the first semester at 8 a.m. But 8 a.m. is early. Yeah, those 8 a.m. ones are rough. Yeah. But anyway, so especially given that you've talked, mentioned a couple of times that you thought about transferring, do you still feel that coming to graduate school was a good choice? Yeah, I think it was. I mean... I thought about transferring to like another graduate school. Like I still wanted to like keep going in like getting the degree. So I still feel like it was a good choice. I've always liked going to school and learning and stuff. So this was, I still think a good decision. (laughs) So as far as transferring, was it a lot to do with the fact that you know, moving here somewhere where you didn't know anyone was really tough in the beginning? Yeah, it was a lot to do with like, yeah, moving and not knowing anyone and then adjusting to a new discipline. Yeah, it was like a combination of everything. (laughs) Sorry, where is Furman? Is that in Florida? It's in South Carolina. It's in South Carolina. And then George Washington is in D.C.? Yes. So you've had like a little practice moving around I guess was this move a little different than those yeah so I feel like going to college like everyone's kind of in the same boat so that was like an adjustment but like kind of everyone was adjusting together and then when I left college and like went to DC I actually had like a pretty decent number of like people that I knew from college also in DC so I didn't really have to try to make that many friends. I kind of had them built in. So coming here and not having that group was hard. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. So given 
everything that you've gone through your first year, if you could give one piece of advice to people thinking about sociology or criminology programs and going into their first year, what would you tell them? So I feel like this is more general to like grad school, not necessarily like sociology, criminology specific, but I feel like working hard is important, but it's also not a competition to see who can work the hardest or who is the most tired. And I feel like a lot of people feel that it's kind of a competition. So I feel like kind of setting your own like pace with what you do, how much you work, as long as you're getting things done is like important. It's not important to like compete with other people. So an awesome piece of advice, honestly. <laughs> that really is. Because, because yeah, so we're fortunate that see at least our department doesn't really foster a lot of competition, but there still are individuals that seem to want to compete with people and you just kind of want to avoid those people. Yeah, that was another thing that I looked for. Like when I was applying, I didn't want it to be competitive at all. I was like, I don't thrive in a competitive environment. So it's been good for that. Yeah, I can agree with that too. I know when I was like at sub programs, I was like, if I have to cut someone's throat, I can, but I'd rather not because that just sounds exhausting. Yeah. So setting personal goals, that's something that I do like every month and I rarely ever meet them, but I get things done. So that would fit along with what you said, Hannah. <laughs> Any yeah. other words of advice, Hannah? Sleep a lot. Like don't, <laughs> like, don't neglect your sleep. I don't, I've always been a person that like has to sleep a lot. Like I need at least seven hours every night or I'm not functioning. Like I can't go to like go to bed super late and then wake up super early. Like I need to sleep. So I feel like a lot of people kind of let their sleep like fall by the wayside in grad school, but and eat. <laughs> remember to eat too. I don't have a problem forgetting that. But. <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty bad with it too. Hmm. All right. Anything else you'd like to share with us, Hannah, or anything that we didn't ask that you think is important to share? No, not off the top of my head right now. All right. What about you, Jose? Anything else you want to ask? I guess we'd be a little remiss if we didn't at least touch a little bit on the research. Hannah, you're doing stuff on sexual assault and what is a rape myth acceptance? And so what got you interested in that? So when I was in undergrad, my college got this grant to study basically like college kids from their freshman year to their senior year and like how they adjust and like stress and stuff like that. And then one of the topics that like my advisor was interested in studying was entitlement. And then, so I didn't really know anything about entitlement. So I started like searching through the literature like college students and entitlement and one of the things that came up was like sexual assault like if people men more generally feel entitled like higher rates of entitlement is like linked to higher like sexually violent behavior so that was kind of what i studied in undergrad and created a vignette experiment studying that and then i've always kind of kept interest in that. Like while I was at GW, I interned 
at RAIN, which is the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, and they run like the National Sexual Assault Hotline. So I've just kind of always stayed interested in that as a topic. And I feel like it's pretty like prevalent on college campuses and something that like people are becoming like more interested in putting money towards. So yeah, oh, that sounds good. And you also you're also interested in JJ, right? Well, juvenile justice. Yes. Oh. So while I was working in DC, a lot of the stuff I was working on was like juvenile justice focused stuff. So the first thing I worked on was like a review of the actually Colorado juvenile justice system. So I kind of got to see like inside of that in that project and that kind of got me interested in like prevention. I also interned while I was in college at the like local department of juvenile justice and I saw like so many kids had on their like rap sheet basically like so many offenses and I was like why are like why are there so many repeat offenders like there should be something like this obviously isn't working like the juvenile justice system isn't working if there's so many repeat offenders so I kind of got interested in that. Yeah that sounds really interesting can't way to read some of your work in the future. I know you got a couple of projects going and those will be interesting to read. Yes. Yeah, we might have to have you back to talk about that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Hannah, for talking to us and sharing some insider's tips for the first year now that you're wrapping it up and becoming a second year EA. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, Hannah. It was great having you. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. So before we close, can you tell, I know you don't have any academic social media, which we're working on changing for you, but what is your email so people can reach out to you if they want to? So it's hannah.lyden, so H-A-N-N-A-H dot L-Y-D-E-N at colorado.edu.